Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from a trip to Scotland is Susan Dubecker. Susan is Director of Risk and Compliance from Microsoft. And today we're going to have a conversation about managing from the middle. Uh, Susan, first, thanks for taking time away from your travels to talk to us today. Thank you very much for asking me, Adam. I'm quite looking forward to it. Great having you here and great seeing you at the European Compliance and Ethics Institute just a week ago now as we're recording. So I want to follow up on an interesting phrase uh, that you used when we were speaking recently, which is managing from the middle. Can you share what you mean by that? We talk a lot about you know, the middle management, but we don't use the phrase managing from the middle a lot. Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting one that we actually we all know about it, but we don't actually think about it because managing from the middle is really about um, how do we take what we're trying to do and ensure that it actually will happen through the flow of any company. So we talk about tone from the top. So we, we always make sure that we talk with our board or our audit committee or our executive and we bring them on board as to what is required. We have the feedback and the input from the people, uh, I will call it shop floor, but it's, it's also in the offices, it's the employees, it's those that we help service as well as working with our suppliers or our customers, depending on which way you're, you're looking at it. But the way, the area that can sometimes cause the problem is in the middle. And that is where people think that that's, um, you know, managing from the middle or being managed by the middle. So when you are in a company and you're not the CISO, you're not at board level, or you're not at the bottom, you're supposed to be a compliance officer, how do you actually get the people to work with you is the question sometimes. How do you get them on board to where you can achieve uh, areas around anti-bribery and corruption, privacy, trade, whatever it may be, when you don't have maybe the authority, the standing um, that they think that you should have to drive some of these issues through. So managing from the middle for me is about being inventive. I have an objective. Uh, I need to ensure that I get people to think about, for example, a new expense policy. Um, now, let's be honest. If you, and if you issue the words expense policy coupled with compliance, most people will run screaming for a door. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, seriously. And what you want to do is you want to get them on board with it to where they're, they're A, they'll, they'll listen for at least five minutes. Um, B, they'll actually think about it and C, they'll actually enact it by themselves without you having to drive it. And that's what I mean about managing from the middle. So you have to look for champions. Some people call them ambassadors, they're champions, but they're also uh, influencers. They're people who will align with you. And they sit in middle management um, because they can go upstream or downstream, but they're the people who will help carry that message and drive it for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and I think you make a really good 
point about the fact that these people in the middle are often the influencers that have a lot of impact. I mean, yes, people look towards the C-suite to see what they're doing, but there's people you know, below that level who are the ones that are often the standard bearers in the organization uh, who people model after. And it's important to have them enlisted in the compliance program's vision. So what does it take, have you found, to get this middle's attention, especially those key people? Um, well, I, I, I remember something from years ago about um, uh, I got stopped for speeding one time in Chicago. And um, I was in a line of traffic and I was really annoyed because here comes a policeman. I've been stopped and yet I was in the flow of traffic. And I said that to him. I said, why did you stop me? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, um, have you ever been fishing? I just sort of looked at him and I said, yeah. And he said, and did you ever catch them all? So I had to say, I just, I burst out laughing, really, yeah, I burst out laughing, and I said, okay, give me the ticket. So, um, but that is exactly what it's like. You have to go fishing. You have to look for people who are, who can be and will be an ally to you. You also have to sell them something. People who are not in your part of the business need to know what's in it for them as well. So what you want to do is make sure that it resonates with them as well as with what they're trying to do. So going back to my example of the expense policy, if you can show, for example, a sales VP that if we can get this policy the right way out to where his staff understand what it is we're actually talking about, he won't get audited. His expenses will probably go through quicker not just his, but his team is a beg your pardon, um, that people that understand what they can and cannot do because it's all about understanding. So can he help me out on this? And when you start to ask for advice and help, people are much more willing to do it than instead of you tell them you will. And then through the influence of one group doing something, you then start to hook in to other people. So this is where my net is spreading and I can get another group of people on board as well, where they see the benefit of what's happening in one area over another. That then flows up the way to the C-suite because they see that it's being adopted. It flows down to the employees who see that not only are the C-suite promoting it, so tone from the top, but that their middle management or even higher level executives are actually supporting it. So it's all a matter of juggling those balls or throwing out the fishing net and bringing them in. That's what I do. And once you bring them in, you know, the next step obviously is, is turn their interest into action. What have you found helps make that transition possible? You have to make sure that you make their life as easy as possible. So a lot of this is down to what your actions are. They understand that many of the things that you do are required, whether it is a regulatory requirement or even just a company requirement, whether it's ethics-based or compliance-based, they know that these things are there. Yet again, they go back to what's in it for me. So when you're looking at how you can action these things, um, you have to have thought it through carefully as to how to set it up for them. 
take away some of the pain, some of the strain for them? Um, are there tools they can use? Is there something like a template? If you don't have tools, do you have an Excel spreadsheet, um, PowerPoint? What can we do to make your life easier? And how can we expedite what it is that we're trying to do? And easier is better, definitely, for getting things on, getting people on your side. Now, what are some actions that someone might think is an effective technique for managing from the middle, but are actually counterproductive? Um, well, that's a very good question. Well, what I have seen in managing from the middle is where uh, over-exuberance. You start to think ahead of where you actually are. Um, a lot of managing from the middle is about stair-stepping, is about making sure that you bring people with you instead of running ahead of the crowd. Because as soon as you run ahead of the crowd, you lose them. And so you think that in the exuberance, oh, I've got this person on board, they're going to do this, this is great, now I can run off and talk to somebody else. You've taken your eye off the ball. And there you go, you've lost it. So that's one of the things that I've noticed that I had to learn the lesson because I get very involved, I get very exuberant and I start running around and then I realize there's nobody around me and I'm on my own and I have to start again. And it's always hard to go back and restart that engine because um, people do tend to sort of go, well, you were here before and it didn't work the first time around, why should I look at it the second? You have to make sure that it can work for everybody. It's sort of like when it comes to children, you know, just because someone thinks your child's cute doesn't mean they care as much as you do about the kid and, you know, don't, don't expect them to have the same degree of enthusiasm. Now, how do you turn the middle into an ally or even an advocate? It's all about, um, it's all about impact and value add uh, for them, not for you. Compliance, we are in a very difficult situation sometimes with compliance um, in that it's, it, regulatory compliance is easy in a way because that is a law and you tell people it's a law and we have to follow the law and you explain it and you go through it. When you're talking about uh, ethical compliance or compliance and making sure that you follow the character of the company or what is required takes a lot more work. So you do have to, you do tend to have to spend time on making sure that you follow through on it that way. Well, as is the case in so many things, it's not about just getting started, but following through and following through in the right way. Well, Susan, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us today. Uh, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Chirletop from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <music>